Hi, this is Frank Marino of Mahogany Rush, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Ted Nugent, and I am the Iron City Rock guy. Welcome to episode 258 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 258, we have got an opportunity to talk to a very, very special musician. Uh, Mr. Dave Mason was kind enough to join us uh, to talk about a show he's doing at the Palace Theater in Greensburg on the 30th of January. Tickets still available. Uh, You can go to the Palace Theater uh, dot com and find out all the information on the tickets and the times uh, the show is entitled traffic jam so as uh, we talk a little in the interview there's certainly going to be a lot of uh, traffic music which was obviously his biggest claim to fame uh, but dave mason is a guy i admittedly did not know a tremendous amount about uh, but in researching it uh, dave has played with the likes of most of the beatles uh, the rolling stones hendrix clapton david crosby steve winwood obviously fleetwood mac uh, and the list goes on and on. Um, some of his hits uh, include Feeling All Right, which was obviously made very famous by the late Joe Cocker. So Dave Mason, uh, just a wealth of talent. Uh, so it was really cool to get an opportunity to talk to him. So I'm going to play a little uh, tune that I had no idea that uh, Dave was involved in with. Uh, play guitar on this track, uh, actually rhythm guitar. Uh, and then we're going to get into the interview with Dave Mason. Some kind of way out of here Said a joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief Businessman there Drink my wine Plowman dig my earth None will level on the mine Nobody all right, so let's start off with the um, the new record. Um, I guess obviously in this day and age, you've seen the you know the record industry has changed so so much um, since your time, you know, in, in the very beginning. Um, but you see a lot of artists of, of your era kind of foregoing doing new material. What what kind of drew you back in to do a new record at this point? Well, I just I have I mean I do play around just for my own amusement at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, you know, I, I mean it's true for the most part, but it's just it, it's just economically just it's just it's it's sort of a waste of time. Because mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, everybody's stealing everything. So yeah, and so and not just music, but but you know, literature, what anything that can be turned into zeros and ones. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just, so, 
that whole part of of the artist's um, reach and revenue stream, obviously, and 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 the copyrights involved, which are the things that you you know, if you hold on to your songs, are the things you pass on to your kids. Mm-hmm. But they're getting devalued by the internet. It's just it's, that's the problem. Yeah, it's one of the problems. The the other the it it would be fine if there was if there was you know for instance if if classic rock radio would embrace the fact that this classic art is still doing great new material and they would play and promote the stuff then you can say hey you know it's available on you know so and so's website go there or whatever so. That's the other big part about it. It's getting it heard, so even for anybody to even know you've got anything out there. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic point. I mean, you know, I mean, so many artists. The yeah, weakest new- link in all of it, frankly. It's 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 it, yes, it's changed, and everybody's taking this and taking that. But but the point is that that there isn't that reach that was there back when FM radio was FM radio. It's yeah. not there, you know. It's just it's all formatted. <laughs> it's just, there's yeah. nobody home <laughs> most of the time. So, yeah. but, so that sort of thing is is very, you know, it, there's nothing you can do. I mean, you can get pissed off, you can get angry, you can get mad, you can go, Jesus. But you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so everything is back where it really all started, which is, you know, we're on the road, door to door. <laughs> yeah, and, and that that is, you, you know, you talk to, to to new artists, you know, especially, and it's such a, it, it's, you kind of feel bad for them in a way because they didn't have the blessing of, of, like you mentioned, classic rock radio, which, you know, which at the time wasn't classic rock, but, you know, to turn a song like Dear Mr. Yeah, Fantasy. Yeah, before FM radio, there was a, somebody there, a DJ, and, man, let me spin the new, here's the latest from so-and-so, that and that, you know. Yeah. And there's some variety going on, but there's so many, it's it, it, it's a shame. It, it's just, but, but again, it's the way it is, and thank God I can still get my ass on the stage and yeah. enjoy playing, because otherwise... <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd be doing. Yeah, and, and it is it's it's it is fortunate, you know, for a lot of artists uh, that came up to the '60s and '70s and '80s that they still have the ability to tour. Uh, you know, that they were able to get out there and uh, ahead of that wave of where the internet and and you know the the live nations and uh, you know iHeart radios that have kind of formulated radio so much. Right. Um, so let me ask you, I mean, how uh, how much fun is it, you know, at this stage? going out and doing the you know the tours it's still as much fun as it was or is it maybe even a little more fun at this stage of your career uh well it's a lot more fun on the basis that i'm 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 consistently coherent yeah <laughs> fun for the audience yeah as opposed to certain episodes in my you know misspent youth um yeah for sure it's great let me have a great band of great guys they love to play and they're cool guys. And we're a small unit, you know. I, I don't. My band is my is uh, Tony Pathler on keyboard, but he's playing bass with his left hand, um, mm. um, and it's great because he's really damn good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, John Sambatero plays um, is the other guitar player, and Alvino Bennett is drums. 
So it's just four of us, but it's a lot of, it's great, a lot going on for four of us. Yeah, that is now. Um, the, the shows you're doing now, are you uh, primarily focusing on the traffic body of work? Yeah, I, I mean, I have this, the, this thing, Traffic Jam, out there, which was kind of just something I've been uh, <clears throat> just thinking about for a while, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't know how it would be accepted or what really, whether to do it or not. And, um, and basically put the show together. So really, it's just, I visit the, some early songs from the first around the first two albums and I do a my own arrangement of um, of Low Spark uh, mm. nothing like the original and and then we take a break and we segue into basically stuff from my solo career right uh, so I've got some visual aspects to it and you know and I bullshit a little bit and I tell some stories <laughs> Yeah, that that's got to be fun. I mean, oh, it looks, cool. it's fun. you know, it's it's it, it's fine. I you know, no matter what, if, if I would still, um, I'd still have to be out there doing something. I I couldn't just sit at home. Yeah, I mean, looking at your resume, you know, you, such a prolific career, and the the musicians you've had the chance to kind of intertwine your you know your playing yeah. with. Very it, yeah, it's it's almost mind blowing. I mean, to to look at you know when you when you think about a single musician that had the opportunity to work with you know the bulk of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix, um, you know there aren't too many people I think that could put all that on a resume. You know, and throw in Steve Winwood and you know Fleetwood Mac and um, you know it it's just, it's kind of amazing uh, to look back at, at your line of work. Is, is there a point where you would say you know this is could you put a, a greatest achievement on your career at this point, or is it still is that something oh, you prefer God. not to think about? You know, I I don't know. I I kind of don't really dwell on spend thinking about it. I, mm -hmm. I suppose. I mean, you know, I'm to me, I'm just you know, I'm just I'm just a, I'm just another guy who just. Oh, like he wanted to pick up a guitar and learn it and go out and make some music. And my path took me on something that was just, um, fortunately, um, you know, I started writing and I started writing things that resonated with people. But, mm -hmm. I mean, basically I was writing for myself. And, and pretty much that's what I'm doing. I mean, that's why I say, I mean, I have, like I say, I have my own little studio and I go in there and I fool around with, with stuff or something pops up that sounds like it might be a good song and I and I spend a month or two or however long it takes me to just put it down you know create the song create the record and they're just sitting here and at some point I will um, I mean I'll put some I'll probably put something else together but it'll be probably just mostly through the website and through live live shows now, is is a musician, you know, who's you know traveled the world, obviously playing. Is doing something that kind of intimate more intimidating, maybe than than doing some bigger venues, or is that uh, something you're really looking forward to? No, it'd be cool. It'd be interesting. I, um, I, I mean, I'm you know, I'm kind of doing it with what I'm the show that I'm doing. I, mm -hmm. you know, I was at you know a couple of times in my career. Especially towards the end of the 70s and the 80s, I did 
long before they were doing Unplugged, I mean, I was out there with just myself and a guitar player um. doing shows, just acoustic. So, no, not really. I mean, it's... Not too bad. It's stupid, but, you know, I, I just have to, try, just have to try and make it fun. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, just uh, if I could indulge in, in some uh, gear question. I mean, you've had, obviously... I'm sure over the years, countless guitars and effects and stuff. Are there any particular guitars in your collection or your arsenal that you really, you know, kind of prize? Uh, well, I've got a, a, my um, my uh, custom tele Fender mm-hmm. put together for me is, is great, which I've been playing playing a version of it for long for a while, um, and I had a, did a really nice job. They got a, it's a contoured body and a humbucker on the bridge, and then two laid sensors. So it's very cool. And then um, Gibson actually put uh, a friend of mine actually had Gibson build me a. Um, it's more of a less Paul shape. Okay. But it's thin, thinner body, um, and again they contoured it, and it's got a tremolo on it. Very cool design. And then acoustic-wise, I have I have an Alvarez Yari. Yeah. That they made for me. Oh God. It's got to be 30 years ago. Pretty much. I, they, I went and hand-picked all the woods out for it, and they made me this tall string. That um, I used to have a match set of V45s. Okay. In the traffic days, but a uh, PA stack found both of them. Rendering, <laughs> uh, but this Alvarez is just superb. It's a great guitar. And then I have a Taylor. Um, I'm not sure which model I had. I got it around the time I was with Fleetwood Mac. Oh, God, I had a collection. Uh, and also, I've got a high tenor strung guitar that I think must have been made for David Lindley because his name's on the brick. Oh, okay. And so those 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 are my main. I use Alvarez acoustic electric guitars on the road. Okay. I don't take the acoustic guitars on the road. Right. So that, that's. Uh, do you use a particular amps? Or is there any particular amps you're drawing well, I towards? Have a, I, I have a rig, Bob Bradshaw rig. Yeah. Say no more. Yeah, that's. I have. A, I use a Bradshaw rig, and I just drive it through a, a Blues DeVille. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Well, Bob stuff. It's it's, it's great. It's stuff is great sound. Awesome. I've used this stuff for a long time. Now the um, if, if I could ask, I mean, one of the things that that probably hit me on your, you know, looking at your body of work, which, as I said earlier, was is certainly mind blowing, but. Uh, in particular, I think obviously jumps off is most guitar players is your work with Jimi Hendrix. Um, can you just touch a little bit on how how you ended up in that, uh, you know, in that session that led to all on the Watchtower? Well, um, Jimmy and I spent you know I'd known him for a little while at, at that point, and and um, it was basically we were. It was a week, I don't know, or Saturday or a Sunday. We were both in London. And we got together somewhere and we were 
invited over to this girl's place, apartment, um, like a big, big apartment where there were some other people there. Um, there were some guys from the band that pretty things. Um, anyway, the point about it is she was, it was, we just dropped by and they had a, she had the first copy of, um, John Wesley Harding, the new mm. Dylan album. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. We got to hear it. <laughs> so, you know, put the album on. Everybody was sort of, you know, somewhat biased at the time. Sure. Feeling good. And listening to the album, and that, I, you know, Jimmy just heard, I guess, heard Watchtower, and then said, you know, let's go, you know, go in the studio, cut this. And there was talk at the time of me actually playing bass with them, taking mm-hmm. Cole's place, because there was a bit of a thing going on at the time, somehow. I mean, Jimmy played bass on pretty much all of Electric Ladyland. So... Um, it was going to happen with me and him, but it just, the management kind of put a stop to it for some reason. I don't know why. Whether it's just image conscious, image crazy, but whatever. Um, so, I, you know, I got to spend some cool time with him. And luckily got to do some recording. I did some other stuff with him. Um, uh, playing bass and sitar. But I have... No idea where those tracks were. I mean, I've never heard them since. Now, was that with Eddie Kramer? Yeah, that would have been with Eddie. Yeah, I, it seems like they keep finding more and more of that material, so we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh <laughs> come across some of that. Did you know um, Jimmy before he came over to London, or did you meet him during his time in uh, London? I saw him in some, you know, the, I mean, part of the whole thing of... of being fortunate to play with so many of those people was back then, you know, Traffic was a known band, and and everybody, in England, everybody finished up in London anyway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like America where you had New York, L.A., Nashville, Philadelphia, Atlanta, uh, Motown. There were a number of music centers in this country. So there, everybody just finished up in London. So sure. And I saw him in a semi-private club, like the room couldn't have been bigger than God, probably 15 feet by 15 feet, with mm-hmm. a little stage. It was like a late-night, after-hours, semi-private club mm-hmm. where guys would go hang out. And Chaz brought him... Chaz took him around to these clubs when he first brought him here. And there was always a band playing. It wasn't bad. And Jimmy... And this guy got up. I don't know who the hell he was, just big yeah, they started playing and it was like oh okay fuck I should perhaps I should look for a different instrument <laughs> yeah start learning I often wonder what that experience would really, be like he yeah. is he of everybody for me is just he, he was just truly um gonna say I, I mean he was just truly unique mm-hmm you know, what he was doing with the guitar, what he was doing in the studio, what he was doing with, the, you know, the sound, just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I often wonder, you know, for the, those who had a chance to experience Jimmy, uh, you know, not only, you know, prior to, uh, you know, in my generation, we grew up with Jimi Hendrix kind of as a collection of work, but, you know, you got to see it 
way before you know the rest of the world and what that must have been like. You know, you you were there obviously from the very beginning. I was there. That. I was there. I was at some of the Sergeant Pepper sessions. Yeah, I mean that's you. You you were like uh, yeah yeah to be very um you know you know the type of places you were at at the times you were at um um you Time. were it was the times too being yeah. in that central place London exactly and uh, so you're going to be doing uh, you're going to be doing a string of dates now it looks like uh, that goes from ever yeah it looks like mid September all the way into next year at this point correct. Forever. Till I, don't miss the last show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get tickets to them all. Awesome, man. It's been a real honor talking with you, Dave. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, you take care. All right, a giant thank you again to Dave Mason, uh, formerly Traffic, obviously, and a million other hits. It was really awesome to have an opportunity to talk to him, learn more about his career. So he'll be in on the 30th doing a show at the Palace Theater. Again, if you search for Palace Theater Greensburg, and by the way, it ends in R-E, not E-R. Uh, so if you're looking for their website, uh, search for theater with R-E at the end. Uh, you can find more information. A great venue to see a show. One of my favorites, obviously. Uh, until next time, we'd like you to check out ironcityrocks.com or facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks, and you can always email um, the show at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We love to hear from bands and artists and uh, fans. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, no opinion should go without being heard. So we, we would love to hear from you. So until next time, we thank you for listening. <laughs>